stand for the reading of God's word. Our reading this morning is from Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. This is what Holy Scripture says. Now he was teaching one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. We, uh, we in the Generation X and Boomers love to make fun of millennials. Uh, those of you who are millennials in your 20s and 30s, uh, you take a lot of heat. You're called soft and fragile and spoiled. Uh, but one of the labels that uh, many are using for millennials these days are, uh, is to call them the tired generation, the burned out generation. Surveys show that young adults are now twice as likely to experience constant exhaustion than they were 20 years ago. For example, a study uh, from the American Psychological Association reports that millennials are the most stressed out generation with much of the stress resulting from anxiety and loss of sleep. In fact, sleep deprivation has been declared a public health crisis with a third of the U.S. population lacking proper sleep. And I believe uh, this problem really has infected a broader demographic than just the millennials. I think many of us would uh, say uh, that this is a struggle. I mean, the common refrain you hear when you ask someone, how are you doing, what do they say? I'm tired, right? Or, oh, we're so busy. And so uh, if you've got your sermon guide that's in the bulletin, you can pull that out if you want to follow along there and write in. Um, I have that first question there, number one. Why are so many of us tired, anxious, and spiritually empty? Why are so many of us tired, anxious, and spiritually empty? The philosopher and author Dallas Willard argued that most Christians focus a lot on the busyness and activity of their faith, uh, serving their neighbors, being active in church, practicing the spiritual disciplines, but we commonly skip the rest aspect of our faith which is crucial, he argued, to being able to do all the busyness. In other words, Willard would argue that a mature disciple of Jesus is not uh, someone who is working hardest for Jesus, but is someone who is best at resting in Jesus. 
until you learn to rest regularly in Christ, all of your work for him is going to be skewed. Andy Crouch, in his book, The TechWise Family, found that one in seven adults set aside a day of rest each week. And what do they do on that day off? Most of them work. <laughs> uh, only one in five of that smaller subset of, the, of our society uh, don't do any work at all. Now, some of you are struggling with spiritual dryness. Uh, you're frustrated because you feel like you're so far from God. You can't grow spiritually. And there's several reasons, possible reasons for this. But I, I want to offer this one possible reason that maybe you haven't considered. And it's that you've never practiced observing the Sabbath on a weekly basis. You probably look at all sorts of things. Maybe you look at my preaching <laughs> or the music here at King's Church or the way our service is structured or, or community groups or any of the ministry here at the church or whatever church you might attend. And you think, well, those must be the reasons why. They could contribute to that, but, but maybe your spiritual emptiness has to do with the fact you aren't regularly resting in Christ. You see, I believe... Uh, that this is a key to our spiritual flourishing. Now, there's no formula or guarantee for this, but I strongly believe God has given us the Sabbath as a gift for our healing. It's a gift for our healing. Now, let's look in our passage. In the verse, uh, verse 10, uh, the story begins, we're told, with Jesus preaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Now, if you're familiar with the Gospels, you've read the Gospels, you'll often see Jesus at the synagogue on the Sabbath. And so what seems to be clear, at least for Jesus, there was this priority of regularly gathering with God's people to worship. For Jesus, the practice of going to church regularly was important. Worshiping with God's people. Now, that is uh, becoming more and more countercultural. Uh, these days, uh, pastors, you know, when we talk, when we talk about regular attenders, <laughs> we often assume we're talking about those people who come 50% of the Sundays out of the month. That's what it's come to. Uh, but uh, so there's this, seems to be this decline in the importance of regularly worshiping God with God's people. And we're not talking about just checking that off, that it's just you feel better about yourself if you go to church. Uh, we're talking about a mindset, a perspective of viewing your week, of anchoring the time of your week and viewing this one day of the week as, as unique, special, something that stands apart. And viewing that time with God, that relationship with God and his people as integral to how you view your time and your calendar. Now, number two there in your sermon guide is, I, I want to suggest, now this isn't the only way we, uh, it doesn't encompass everything and how we would view the Sabbath, but I want to offer this, that observing the Sabbath involves resting from your work one day of the week to worship and enjoy God with his people. All right, observing the Sabbath involves resting from your work one day of the week to worship and enjoy God with 
with his people. And so I'm offering that an essential aspect, not everything about observing the Sabbath, but an essential aspect is this, this rest, this worship, this enjoyment of God, and doing that in a communal way. In other words, not just you in the mountains hiking. I mean, that could be part of it, but there's this communal aspect that's, that's integral, and that if you view your week, your schedule, your time, and let this idea that this, there's this anchor in your week, that you're going to shape your view of how you spend your time, that that mentality can bring healing to the busyness, to the chaos, to the restlessness of your life. Mark Buchanan, in his book, uh, The Rest of God, he puts it this way. He says, setting apart an entire day, one out of seven, for feasting and resting and worship and play is a gift and not a burden. And neglecting the gift too long will make your soul like soil never left fallow, hard and dry and spent. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm arguing that this is integral to how God made us. And that's what we see in the Bible. When we look at Genesis and the creation account, we go to Genesis 2, and there we see the pattern that God establishes for us. Uh, God goes through the act of creation, those six days, and we're told at the beginning of chapter 2 in Genesis that God rested from his act of creation. We're told on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And, and we believe that we're created in God's image, that God created us in his image and that we mirror God and that we are called to mirror this act of work and rest, work and rest on a weekly basis. Now, we see that commanded in the Ten Commandments. If you're familiar with the Ten Commandments, go to the book of Exodus in chapter 20. And uh, before we even go there, I want to make this point, the third point in your sermon guide, is that the Sabbath is anchored in God's acts of creation and redemption. In God's act of creation and redemption. Now, the creation we, we see in Genesis 2, we've just read, but we also see if we go to, uh, to Exodus 20, there the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments is this idea of observing the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Now notice what Moses says here. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There, Moses is connecting God's act of creation and resting with our commandment to mirror him and do the same. Now what's interesting, when you look at the creation account, you see God... At the end of the sixth day, he, he looked at all that he had made and he said it was very good. In other words, you get this idea that God enjoyed, enjoyed, reflected on his work. And so we get this idea of Sabbath being an opportunity for us to rest from our work and enjoy God and the fruits of our labor. So enjoyment is an integral part of what we do in the Sabbath. So we stop, we enjoy God, we enjoy his creation, we enjoy the fruits of our labor. 
And that's important for us because sometimes we can think of, you know, this idea of not working or, or just resting. It can be a burden, and it's not intended to be. For the Jewish people, the Sabbath has been the seventh day of the week. That's, you know, we've just read from Genesis, from Exodus. It's grounded in that first creation of God on Saturday. That's why you'll see some uh, Jewish people celebrate the Sabbath, observe the Sabbath on the seventh day. Now, for the Christians in the early church, the Sabbath changed. For Christians in the early church and for Christians for most of the centuries who have observed the Sabbath, we celebrate it on Sunday, the first day of the week. Now, why do we do that? Because of the resurrection of Christ. You see, the first creation was on the seventh day, or the rest was on the seventh day, but we celebrate it on the first day in celebration and acknowledgement of the resurrection of Christ, which is God's new creation. So as Christians, we're observing the Sabbath rest in light of the work Christ has done and celebrating that resting on the first day of the week on Sunday. Now, let's talk practically. For some of you, it's not, you're not, you know, your work schedule makes it impossible for you to always celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday. And so uh, maybe for you, it's finding another day of the week. But it's still this idea of the rhythm of six days of work, rest, six days of work, rest, that, that, that this pattern of creation that we see in Genesis and Exodus 20. But we see the Sabbath is also anchored in this idea of redemption, and that we find in Deuteronomy Five. Now, Deuteronomy 5 is a re-articulation of the Ten Commandments we see in Exodus 20, but it's a different setting. In, Deut- in Deuteronomy, God's people are about to enter into the promised land, and Moses is re-articulating the covenant. And so there's this re-articulation of the Ten Commandments, and it's slightly different. You may not have ever noticed that, but in Je- Deuteronomy 5, notice the Sabbath isn't grounded in creation. Notice what the Sabbath is grounded in here. Here, Moses says, observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. You see, this passage highlights the theme of redemption in connection with the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath reminds us of our liberation, the freedom that God has won for us in Christ and that's why when we read this passage of, in Luke 13, and we see Jesus healing this woman on the Sabbath day, we see that it's more than just a miracle about healing. There's something more being communicated here. And I want to draw your attention there. It's point number four in your guide. Notice that when Jesus saw this woman, and I love that Jesus saw her. It's not this woman came pleading to him. He saw her, he went after her, he pursued her, and he called her over and said, Woman, you are freed from your disability. Friends, that's a significant moment that Jesus would do this on the Sabbath. It's intended to communicate this aspect of liberation and what we are celebrating when we observe the Sabbath. That in God's mercy and in God's power, he is acting to free us from the things that hold us captive. And that is Jesus' mission. If you recall when we started the series in Luke, we started in Luke 4, 
And that's another story where Jesus is at the synagogue. And in that passage, he reads from uh, the Old Testament this prophecy in Luke 4, where it talks about him coming to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover the recovering of sight to the blind. And Jesus says, in my hearing, this is being fulfilled. In other words, this is my mission. This is why I've come. And so the good news I want you to hear, friends, this morning is that Jesus is still at work liberating captives. And don't you see that we're all captives today to the busyness, the restlessness, the lifestyle that we are told we, 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 we're you know, pointed towards that is a model for us to strive for, the activity, the work, the distraction. Friends, Jesus wants to free us from this. Jesus wants to free you. And what we see in this story is God's gift of the Sabbath can heal us. It can bring healing. And so uh, this fifth point, what I, wanna, what I want you to consider is that the Sabbath is God's gift to heal our bodies. The Sabbath is God's gift to heal our bodies. Now, in our story, we have this miraculous healing by Jesus, this woman who had been disabled for 18 years. 18 years she had spent bent over. 18 years she couldn't fully straighten herself up. 18 years in this condition, and Jesus lays his hands on her, heals her, and immediately she's able to stand straight upright. Now, I'm not suggesting that the Sabbath and observing the Sabbath is going to secure supernatural healing for you if you're struggling with some uh, health issues. But what I'm suggesting is that the weekly rhythm of rest, real rest, is essential for your healing and well-being physically. And you don't have to be a Christian to see that this is true. Uh, Inc.com, it's their website, in fact, in their productivity section, I find that fascinating. It's in their productivity section. They say that a day of rest, 12 scientific reasons it works. And the little subtitle is, most major religions call for a day of rest, science agrees. And the article goes into you know, detail of how observing a weekly day of rest reduces stress, reduces inflammation, reduces heart disease, adds years to your life. But of course that makes sense, and we don't need science to tell us that's true. Uh, we believe God, God, our creator who made us, knows what's best for us and has given us this pattern already. We don't need it to be proven by scientists. That regular rest is essential for our physical well-being. But the second point here, uh, sermon guide number six. The Sabbath is God's gift to heal our minds as well. To heal our minds. Now, you'll notice in the story how the, the ruler of the synagogue is indignant. <laughs> is indignant that Jesus would heal this woman on the Sabbath. He says there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Now here, we see, we see how easily our thinking gets mixed up. Uh, this ruler of the, the synagogue, his perspective is, 
is all wrong-headed, isn't it? He's lost in his legalistic adherence to the law. He's so worried about obedience to the law, it's caused him to miss the spirit of the law. His thinking's all wrong. And he's completely missed the point of what the Sabbath is all about. And Jesus is trying to reorient his thinking. And he, and he tries to address his thinking by giving this example of, of the ox and the donkey. And wouldn't you take care of them? You do take care of them on the Sabbath and meet their needs. And, and Jesus is saying, isn't this woman of more worth? This daughter of Abraham of more worth? And doesn't she deserve to be liberated on this day of all days, a day where we celebrate God's liberation of his people? And so can I suggest that the Sabbath, the Sabbath is a God-given gift to liberate you and your thinking that tends towards uh, overwhelming mental exhaustion. Now, some of you can't get your minds to stop worrying, uh, being anxious, being fearful of all the things you have to do, all the things you have to worry about. Perhaps you're fearful of your career, you're fearful of the, the election coming up, you're fearful of your kids, you know, what's going to become of them, of an important relationship in your life, of your health, and the list goes on and on and on. And you're worrying and you're planning and, and it keeps you up at night. And I'm here to offer this gift that God gives you that on one day of the week you take all those things, important things, valuable things, and you set them aside. And you give them to God. And you rest. You rest. You let God be God. And you stop trying to do it yourself. Now, let's take an example of how some of you might handle Sunday, if that's your day of, of Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath. Uh, you know, for some of you, you'll come to church, and then later in the day, it's all about getting work done, right? Uh, some of you are students. Maybe it's papers you got to work on. Some of you who have work coming up, maybe it's a presentation you have to work on. Uh, you're not able to mentally turn it off and to let God be in charge because you're so worried. Well, what will people think if I'm not prepared for my presentation? Or what will happen if I get a C on my paper instead of the A? Now, I am confronted by this often on Saturdays. Saturdays tend to be a day where I try my best and I'm not very successful. Please don't talk to Olivia about how well I do this. Uh, but I try to focus on my family, to set that time aside, and not worry about today, in this moment, in preaching. I try to say, okay, God, I'm not prepared. The week was busy. I didn't get my stuff done. Um, and the temptation would be to spend the whole day preparing because I'm fearful, I'm worried, what are people going to think if I'd come and I'm not prepared? Instead of setting that aside and saying, God, I'm going to enter into this, I've done what I can, but I'm going to rest. And the sermon is half done. Okay. I'm not going to compromise that. 
not going to compromise the rest that you offer me. This is a gift you're offering me. And I need to receive it. And so will you rest? Will you let your mind rest? And will you, you receive that gift God has for you? Number seven on your sermon guide, I want to I offer this, that it's not just your body and your mind, but, but the Sabbath is God's gift to heal your soul. And this is where we really start to do some deep work when we, when we wrestle with this concept of the Sabbath. Because observing the Sabbath faithfully is truly a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. It is not about productivity and, and good time management. At, at its core, we're talking about a spiritual battle happening. Now, now this spiritual battle takes place in our story, right? Um, Jesus makes it clear that, uh, that you know, he was releasing this woman from Satan's captivity, what Satan was doing to this woman, and how that was manifesting itself physically for this woman, and that Jesus was freeing her and liberating her from that spiritual bondage. Now, it is much more subtle for us. Satan works in much more subtle ways. And I've already alluded to some of that in light of our work, our school, or the things that we, on Sunday, we look ahead and we think, oh, I've got to be prepared for these things and I've got to do this work on this day that I'm where I'm supposed to be resting. But the Sabbath is intended to be good for your soul because it cultivates in you spiritual eyes to be able to connect and focus and emphasize and prioritize your relationship with God. I like how Mark Buchanan puts it. It's number eight in your guide. Sabbath imparts the rest of God. Actual, physical, mental, spiritual rest. But also the rest of God, the things of God's nature and presence, we miss in our busyness. God's nature and presence we miss in our busyness. In other words, we're so busy, we don't stop to actually let our spiritual eyes see God and who He is and where He is and what He's doing in our lives and the lives of the people that we love. It's essential to observe the Sabbath in order to allow those opportunities to manifest themselves. And if you're so busy, you're not going to see it. You're not going to see it. Now, why is it so frightening? We're so frightened to actually do this. We're so frightened... To actually prioritize rest. Uh, Harvard Business School uh, talks about this. Um, they have an article. It, it says, having no life is the new aspirational lifestyle. It's fascinating when you think about it because there was a, there was a time when, uh, uh, I guess, success and wealth allowed you to to be a person of leisure, right? There was a time when um, having these things of status allowed you to enjoy, uh, indulge yourself, uh, to be a person who is free to, to be relaxed and to go on vacation and do all these things of a person of leisure. Well, that has completely changed. In our day and time, no, it, that, that is not the status you, you're striving for. The status today is to be so important that you don't have the time to do those things. 
Um, the article goes on to say, you know, um, use this example. They, they did an experiment on Facebook. They developed this fictional office worker named Sally Fisher. And they, they posted on Facebook. They either focused how busy Sally was, you know, I've been working nonstop all week, that kind of post. Or they posted Sally Fisher in her leisure, you know, enjoying a long lunch break, that kind of thing. And they did a survey. They asked 300 participants. They said, on average, how did they view Sally? You know, uh, who viewed Sally having a higher social status or greater socioeconomic wealth? And of course, it was the busy Sally, not the leisurely Sally. Uh, and, and so uh, what I love in the article, what they kind of narrow it down to is that what, what we're talking about is really a spiritual issue. They don't draw the spiritual implications, but I am because they say this. Uh, you know, we used to talk about um, this idea of, you know, wealth and status allows you to consume scarce and expensive things, to buy those things. But now we're so desperate to be viewed as scarce invaluable ourselves, and that's why we're driven to busyness. You see, we can't, we don't know what to do with our, our spiritual fragility, that, that we're so worried about our identity and worth, that the busyness is one way that we try to build ourselves up. For example, there's a Rolex ad, uh, it, it says this, checking his watch costs Bill Gates $300 a second. What is your time worth? Now, what are they communicating in that ad? Oh, he is an important person. His time is worth $300 a second. And haven't we fallen for that? Aren't we all guilty of that? Tim Keller, this is point number nine in your guide. He puts it this way. All of us are haunted by the work under the work the need to prove and save ourselves, to gain a sense of worth and identity. And this is why observing the Sabbath is more than just about your physical health or your mental health. It really seeps down to your soul. What are you resting in? Are you resting in my value and worth is in what I can produce? Or are you resting in what Jesus has produced. You see, the gospel is that we rest as Christians in Jesus' works, not our works. And so if anyone should be able to observe the Sabbath, it should be Christians who believe that our righteousness comes from Christ by faith, that we are found in him. And so we should be able to enter into the Sabbath rest joylessly, with joy, with celebration, because what Christ has given us. Notice number 10 in your sermon guide. Jesus' words, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The key to that passage is that first part. Jesus says, come to me. You see, we want Jesus to give us rest and then, you know, we don't want to be dependent on him, but Jesus is saying, no, your rest depends on you coming to me, your relationship with me. If 
finding your worth in me. And that's what he's inviting us to. That's the gift he's offering. He's saying, hey, I've done the work for you. I've done the work for you. And so I I leave you, friends, with this last point. What is keeping you from receiving God's gift of the Sabbath? If you currently don't regularly, weekly observe a day of rest, what is blocking you? What is keeping you? Maybe it's that you've never considered it. You're not familiar with it. It's new. Maybe it's because you can't let go. You're so busy and you're so fearful. Um, could be any number of things. And I'm not going to give you specific ways to do it. That's not the point of this sermon. The sermon is not to lay down a legalistic law like the Pharisees and say, this is how you have to do it. I'm simply offering a few breadcrumbs to entice you down the path of exploring this idea. Hey, maybe this could be something that our family could do. Maybe this is something you could do individually or with your friends or or talk about with your community group. Hey, how can we integrate this into our lives? It's hard. It's hard, but Jesus is offering us something wonderful. And I hope you'll grab hold of it. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, may we, even this morning, as we look to the Lord's Supper, Find our rest in you. Um, This meal that we are going to be celebrating very soon invites us into that. It, It invites us to see the bread and the cup as your work, your sacrifice for us on the cross. And and as we eat and consume it, we are we are acknowledging our need for you. And I pray that as we think about Jesus, what you've done for us, may joy flow out of us. May celebration flow out of us. May we realize and experience your love, your compassion that you offer us. And may you change us in the gospel, we pray. Amen.